We know that God loves us with an unconditional love. It's an unchanging love. He loves us beyond we can imagine. And in Matthew chapter 7, we find that Jesus says that he loves us and answers our prayers. Look at Matthew 7. Look at verse 9. He says, what, what man is there among you who when a son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll not give him a snake? Well, he says, look, we're human beings. And if our children ask for something, we're not going to give them something bad. And then he goes on to say, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, your Father who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? So we already know that God loves us and he answers our prayers and he answers our prayers in the best way. And sometimes what we pray something and, and we already know that he, we can get a yes, a no, or a wait. Sometimes he gives us yes answers. It's so exciting. Or we think it's exciting. We say, boy, that's, that's what I wanted. He did it. Sometimes we get a no answer and we sometimes think a no answer is so bad, but what, what we don't realize is that when it's a no answer, it's because he knows what's best. He says, you may want that. That's not what's best. And so that's the no answer. And then sometimes there is the wait where you just have to keep praying and it's not the right time. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe somebody else is not ready. We've already seen that we're to keep on praying, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. We saw in First Thessalonians, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing on and on and on. Let's think about prayers Answered prayers for a sec, because, second, because this morning I want you to see a big old answered prayer. Okay, that's kind of fun to see it. That's how we'll end this. But think about this. Jesus prayed. You remember he, right in front of it, Lazarus is dead. Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do, but he gets in front of all the people and basically says, Lord, I know that you always hear me, but I'm doing this in front of all these people. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is raised. We saw that Paul is in prison and he writes one of his letters and says, pray that I will get out. In fact, get everything ready because I'm assuming I'm coming. And he did. And then we see the church pray for Peter. We talked about that when he was in prison. Angel came and let him out and went back to John Mark's mother's house and that kind of thing. And then when Peter was walking on the water. Do you know, do you remember that Peter prayed there? He's walking on the water, then he looked at the wind and the waves, he got scared, he started to sink. What did he pray? Do you remember? Lord, save me. And that's what God picked him up and saved him. So sometimes we see answered prayers in the Bible and, and they're good answers. We go, wow, that's fantastic. So I want you to see an event that you probably have studied this before. I think we probably taught this a long time ago, but it is so exciting. And we're going to see a special event. It's Isaiah chapter 36 and 37. So if you uh, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 36. So just flip back a few pages. And if you start flipping back in the Old Testament, you got Jeremiah. And you get to, to Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 36. And it's a great Great, great story. You know, sometimes people. In fact, there's some past, I, There's a uh, there's a there's a famous pastor in the United States that is telling people that we don't need the Old Testament. We should not even. We should not. We should not. We just don't need it. We just need to concentrate on the New Testament. The Old Testament actually is all the foreshadows, and the New Testament's the fulfilling. And the Old Testament has incredible things. And Paul writes that the things that were written in the past were written for our instructions. So we need the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament here, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 36, we see an incredible event. Now, let me tell you what's happened. In chapter 36, the nation of Israel has already divided. After Solomon died, the nation divided. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom has fallen uh, uh, to the Assyrian Empire. And... uh, in fact, let me put this up here. The Assyrian Empire, and there's a leader by the name of Sennacherib. 
Sennacherib is, a, is ruling the world. He has conquered the northern empire of Israel. He has come down to Jerusalem, the walled city of Jerusalem, and he's basically saying, we'll give you one chance to give up. If you want to give up, give up, and we'll, we'll let you be live, live. But if you don't give up, we're going to kill all of you. And so that's what the story is about to be about. The king of Israel is a guy by the name of Hezekiah. And at the same time, there's a prophet in Israel. His name is Isaiah. And so two famous people that we've all heard of, Isaiah and Hezekiah, they're in this passage. And so what happens is this leader, the Assyrian Empire, comes with Sennacherib, and he comes up to the walls of Jerusalem, and he sends a message by one of his messengers, and he says, uh, surrender or die. So look at chapter 36, verse 1. It says, Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah, and he seized them. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem to King Hezekiah with a large army. So, so uh, uh, Sennacherib sends this guy by the name of, of uh, Rabshakeh, and he goes to Jerusalem. He stood by the conduit of the upper pool. In other words, he's outside the wall of Jerusalem, and some other people come out, and then look at verse 4, Rabshakeh said to them, say to Hezekiah, tell your king, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what is this confidence that you have? He basically says, what are y'all thinking? You're fixing to all die. What is this confidence that you have? And so this king comes, he says, the Lord cannot deliver you. Make peace and we'll save you. He goes on and says, he says that. He says, the Lord cannot deliver you. In fact, go look at verse 13 of chapter 36. Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice and said, Hear the words of the great king of Assyria. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He can't deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah think you that the Lord can deliver you. Nobody can stop us. And he goes on and says, Don't listen to Hezekiah. He's the, and for the king of Assyria, he says, I'll tell you what I'll let you do. I'll let you live if you all give up. If not, you'll all die. So he says, The Lord can't deliver you. Make peace and we will save you. Now, what... what, he, what Rabshakeh is saying that Sennacherib is saying, your God is not strong enough to stop us. We're going to come. We've already captured the northern empire. We're going to capture the southern empire, and we're going to capture Jerusalem. And you can either give up, and we won't have to fight, and we'll make you our slaves, and you can live, or we'll just destroy everything, which is what we've done all the rest around the world. And they have. They've been doing that. And so, so make peace, and we will save you. Well, well let me ask you something. What? What should Hezekiah do? Let me ask you, what should Hezekiah do? You're the king of Israel. You're in the castle. You're in the inner part. You've got people on the wall. They've got a, a guy from Assyria out there saying, tell your king to give up. Tell all the people to give up. Lord cannot save you. Make peace and you can live or you'll all die. Word gets back to Hezekiah. Uh, this is what he said. What would you do? Hmm? Pray. Pray. Well, that, I think the smart thing to do would be what? Pray. But, yeah, well, we say he is. And Hezekiah would say he is. Now, the Sennacherib doesn't think so. So look what happens. Look at chapter 37. Look at verse 1. And when King Hezekiah heard it, he heard this message, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and where did he go? He entered the house of the Lord. He went to the temple area. 
Okay? So what did Hezekiah do when he saw all this? He tore his clothes. Now, in that day and time, tearing your clothes is like you'd rip something, showing extreme emotion, anger, sadness, sorrow, fear. It's just anything. And so he tore his clothes. Now, priests weren't supposed to tear their clothes. Kings could. And so he put on sackcloth, sackcloth with this burlap-type stuff that you wore that was really uncomfortable, and it was to show yourself that you humbled yourself to God. And so he's put on the sackcloth, and he entered the house of God. What's he going to do? He sent, no, look at verse 2, he sent Elikim, who was over the household with Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth. To who? Who did they send him to? To Isaiah the prophet. Now, we all know Isaiah, right? He wrote the big book, 66 chapters. You think of Isaiah and you say, oh, yeah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. We all know who Isaiah was. And we think about Isaiah as the great prophet of God. And, and, and so Isaiah's living. And so Hezekiah says, I'm going to get word to Isaiah and tell him what's going on. So he sent Elakim and Shebna and those rest of the guys. They went to Isaiah the prophet. And he said, they said to him, thus says Hezekiah, that this is the day of distress. This is a day of rebuke and rejection. For children have come to birth and there's no strength to deliver. This is a horrible time. And then he says, so we pray to God. Pray that maybe he will hear us and save us. Notice verse 4. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear the words of Rabbishak in which the master of Assyria has sent. And, and he's reproached the living God. Offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. So King Hezekiah sends messengers to Isaiah and says, we are in a pickle, right? We're in a pickle. we got to do something. Pray to God. Isaiah, you're a prophet. You get direct revelation from God. I'm, I'm just a king. I don't get direct. You get direct revelation. You've been saying over and over, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. Okay, go talk to God and tell him what's going on because they're going to kill us all. And truly, I don't see how we can defeat them. How many soldiers do you think are out there surrounded Jerusalem? Possibly... 300,000, okay? Possibly. Maybe 200,000. I'll show you how we know in just a minute, okay? So, what is Isaiah going to do? Look at verse 6. So Isaiah said to them, now, they're praying, right? In, well, this whole study is on prayer, right? Does God answer prayer? We say, yeah, sometimes the answer is what? Yes, sometimes the answer is no, sometimes the answer is wait. They're hoping it's going to be yes, Stop this enemy. Isaiah said to them, verse 6, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord. He's already got the answer. Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Now what God is saying, you don't have to be afraid of the guy who says bad stuff about me. God, He said bad stuff about God. Your God can't deliver you. Your God's not very strong. God says, don't listen to that guy. Don't listen to those people. They've said bad things about me. But watch. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so he will hear a rumor and return to his own land and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Look what God says. He's going to go back home. Who's going to go back home? Sennacherib. And what's going to happen to him? He's going to get killed when he goes back home. Now, you're, you're Isaiah and you just said, here's what God told me to tell you. Don't even worry about this guy. I'm gonna put, God's going to put a spirit in him. He's going to think about something, and he's going to go back home. He's not going to attack us or whatever he thinks. He's going he's to go back home, and then he's going to get killed. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So what do we say to that? Well, it's easy for you. 
<laughs> you just say, they're standing out there. But okay, okay. Look at verse 8. Then Rabbishakin returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he heard that the king had left Lachish. Now, the king of Assyria moves for a while. And it looks like he's leaving. Now, he's not leaving, but it looks like it. Looks like the prayer's answered. He's going home, but he's not. He's not. He comes back again. Wait, let me, let me, let me, let me get to that in just a second. So he comes back again. In fact, in verses 9 and 10, and he comes back again, and he sends the same messengers, and they say the same thing. Tell Hezekiah his days are numbered. If y'all don't give up, we're going to kill you all. Now, what did Hezekiah do the first time? He prayed. What's he going to do the second time? Look at verse 14. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messenger. They gave him a letter. They said, here, tell your king to read this letter. And the letter said, we're going to kill all of you, and your God can't stop us, and don't worry about all that. And so he's got this letter in his hand. So what does he do? Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messenger, read it, went up to the house of the Lord. Where did he go last time? House of the Lord. And spread it out before the Lord. He said, see this letter? <laughs> As if God can't see it. See this letter? And then look what he says. He spread it out before the Lord. And he said this, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim, you are, you are the God. You alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made the heavens and the earth. So what is Sennacherib? He's nothing. Listen, he's a, God, he's a king that God has allowed to be a king. Who is the king of the world? God is. Who made the heavens and the earth? God, Hezekiah is saying, you're, you're God. You're enthroned above everything. You're the God of all the world. You made the heavens and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen to all the words of Sennacherib who sent them to the reproach, the living God. What does he say? Look at this letter. He's making fun of you and us. Now, what has God already told him is going to happen? He's going to turn him and he's going to go back home and what's going to happen to him? He's going to die by, the, by how? By the sword. Okay, now look what Hezekiah says. Look at verse 20. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. He says, listen, everybody knows you're God. This has got to happen because if they conquer us and kill us all, then everybody will say, well, you know, maybe the God of Israel is not that big. You know, we kind of thought he was a tough God, but right now they're not doing so good. And he says, let everybody know so that the whole world delivers from so that the whole earth may know that you alone are God. Now, what do we know? Whoops. We know that he's already said, so Necrob's what? Going to go back and die by the sword. We know that. Well, what's going to happen? Look at verse 21. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent word to Hezekiah saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Now, here he is praying. He's put it out before God and said, what about this? This is Hezekiah. And suddenly he gets word from who? Isaiah. 
Remember, he already sent word to Isaiah one time, and Isaiah said, don't worry about it. Hey, uh, he's gonna, I'm gonna put, God's going to put a spirit in him. He's going to go back home, and he'll get killed by the sword. Well, this happened a second time, and he's praying this time, and suddenly he gets word from Isaiah. And Isaiah says, Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, verse 21, sent word to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. God is telling me, telling us, Because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, Here's what's going to happen. He says, you pray. And by the way, all those verses, he just talks about a bunch of things, but he gets right down to it when in verse 33. Look what he says. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come to this city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp again. By the way he came, by the same way he will what? Return. What did God already say he was going to do? He's going back home. And he will not come to this city, declares the Lord. Now, let me ask you something. Who's outside the city gates? Uh, probably two hundred to 300,000 Assyrian soldiers. And they're just waiting for the word to attack. And Isaiah sends a message to Hezekiah and says, don't even worry about it. Not, they won't even shoot one arrow into the city. In fact, he's going to go back home. Now, what are the chances of that, in humanly speaking? None. They're standing, they're ready to go, give us the word, we'll storm the castle. How fun storming the castle. We're going to storm the castle and take the whole thing, right? They're just waiting. And Isaiah says, tell King Hezekiah, don't even worry about it. He won't even shoot an arrow into the city. Wow. So, what's going to happen? Look at verse 36. Oh, by the way, verse 35, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. David, David, the former king. God says, I will defend this city. By the way, what does Jerusalem mean? The name Jerusalem. Salem means peace. Jer, the first part, is the same as Yah. It's Jehovah's peace. Jerusalem is the city of peace. God's peace. It's his city. Why do you think Jerusalem, in the smallest little country, you get a big old map or a globe and you can't even find Israel on the map, and yet Jerusalem is actually the capital of the world? Everybody wants to think it's Washington or New York or someplace. Jerusalem is the capital of the world. It's God's city. It's God's city. He says, I'll defend my city. Now, watch the next verse. Verse 36. Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck how many? A hundred and eighty-five thousand in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose up early in the morning, behold, all of these were dead. Listen, there are more than 185,000. Some of them woke up, and when they woke up, 185,000 of their soldiers are dead. Now, that's a lot of people, don't you think? So they probably, let's just say they had 200,000, 250,000. And when they wake up, more than half of their people are all dead. So what did they? What would you do? I'd say I think I think we're going on back home. What do y'all think, right? And so look what happened. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived in Nineveh. A hundred and he says he's never going. Whoops, let me put that in. Never going to shoot an arrow. He shall go back home. I will defend this city. What happened? Angel killed a hundred and eighty-five thousand people. Soldiers. And so what happened? Now, what did he say was going to happen? So Nicarib was what? Going to go back home and do what? 
die by the sword. Watch this. Look at the next verse. Verse 38. It came about as he was worshiping in the house of Nerosh, his God, that Adram, Melech, and Shazar, his sons, killed him with the what? The sword. And, and then they escaped to the land of Arad. And Eshtaron, his son, became king of the place. What happened to him? He went back home and what happened? Got killed by the sword. What did God say at the very beginning? He's going to go back home and be killed by the sword. Then God says, listen, he won't even shoot an arrow here. It's not even going to be a war. They're not, you got 200 and something thousand soldiers out there. They will never even shoot an arrow into the city. And when they, 185,000 of them were dead, they just, they just left. And when he goes back, his son kills him. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Do what? Let your requests be made known to God. Listen, he can answer any prayer, and sometimes they're yes, and sometimes they're no, and sometimes they're wait. In this situation, I wanted you to see an incredible story, how, uh, how Hezekiah prayed two different times, Isaiah got the word of the Lord two different times, and it's exactly what God says. So as we finish, let me just do this. I want you to think about, uh, he was killed by the sword, some practical aspects of prayer, things that we've thought about over these weeks. Because we've spent 18 lessons. It's been a good while. There's a lot of great things. So let's, number one, let's understand prayer. Let's understand prayer. Because prayer is what? What is prayer? Just talking to God. That's what it is. We can talk to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything. And so we already said that we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit based on you can either put the Word of God or the will of God. The bottom line is we go to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Spirit based on what we know from truth. And that's how we pray. And that's why sometimes we'll say, Lord, if it be your will, this will because we're saying that we don't know. It's, maybe it's not in the Bible. We don't know, but we know his character. And so we lift up our prayers that way. The second thing is that we come boldly to the throne of grace. We come consistently, continue to pray over and over. We come specifically. The more specific you are in your prayers, the more specific you see what? The answers. I guarantee you. If you just say, bless somebody, you may never see it. But if you get specific and say, Lord, I'm asking for this to happen. It may not happen exactly the way, but you're going to see something specific. And then believing. We saw these things. Believe. Believe that God's going to answer your prayers. And sometimes we don't believe. Sometimes we say, oh, I would like that to happen, but I don't, but I don't believe it. Well, I, I, I'd say I'm, I'm lifting them up and saying, Lord, I believe that you, you can do it, and, and I want you to do it. So I'm telling you, I know you can do it, so please do it. Be believing. He can do anything, right? He can, do any, he can do anything except go against his character, right? He can't lie. I mean, you know, he can't go against his character. He can't go against a promise. His, he promised us what? Eternal life. We're going to have eternal life because he can't go against that. If he's promised you eternal life, you got what? Eternal life because that's what he said, and that's the way he is. So as far as this, this practical aspects, let's understand prayer. But number two here, or B, let's make prayer a part of our lives. And this is, this is so hard because we're so busy. But here's what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to a time to pray daily. Some people call it quiet times, and I, have, I do different things. I, make, I, I pray, and I write in a journal thing, and I read something over here, and I read parts of the Bible, and I do all that, and I kind of have a quiet time. But I have a time just about every day. Well, every day I have a time that I get off by myself and pray and talk it. Get you a time. People call it quiet times. People call it spiritual disciplines. They put words like that, which sounds terrible to me. But anyway, uh, just get with him and spend time. 
and talk to him. Take time every day to pray and to read and to, 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 to spend time with him and talk to him. The second thing is I talked about what we call error prayers. And I mean, as you just go through life, so you, you may be driving, you may be thinking of a friend, and you say, oh, Lord, help uh, that person today. You know, we, I call them error prayers because we just shoot them up. As soon as something comes to your mind, shoot it up to God. Tell God, God, do this, do this. Uh, oh, give me that parking space or, you know, you know whatever. I mean, and it's okay. You know, right? Just say, oh, Lord, help us get there on time. You know, make, you know just lift up the prayer uh, era prayers. It may be you're walking somewhere. It may be you're in your office. It may be you're uh, walking around the lake. It could be anything. And you could just lift up prayer requests anytime. The third thing is, and this is vital to me, is really get a book. Get something that you can actually write down uh, People to pray for, whether it's uh, you want to pray for somebody on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and have different particular people every day, uh, you know, or they have uh, like I have a day that I pray for the there's certain people I pray for every day, and then there are people I pray for on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and so I, I have that. And so some of you are, uh, some, some people who I'm really, really close to are every day. And there's so many of you, in fact, most of you in this room are at least once a week. At least. I, I have almost every one of you on my prayer list. I mean, I look at this room. I look at your faces. I, I do pray for you. Yeah. I have to pray for Bonita. She didn't even make it if somebody didn't pray for her. I mean, you know, we, so think about it. I know, I know you do, I know, and I couldn't make it if y'all don't. In fact, I've told y'all over and over, please, put me down, put down for Sunday morning if you want to. Just when you get up on Sunday mornings, just pray for me. Pray that God will t- use me to teach the Word and love the people, and that people could grasp and understand the Bible and make application. Just pray that, you know, and if, like, just think if 50 or 60 people prayed that, I would be a lot better. <laughs> Think about it. Okay, so the, the prayer book and, and pray for people that you like put down people's names that you don't know whether they're saved or not. And you say, Lord, give me an opportunity to talk to this person. And then you will. And then you can mark them off. And sometimes you put down prayer requests and I pray about everything and I write it all down. And then when it's answered, I put a little answer beside it showing that it's answered. And it's amazing how many prayers are answered. So let's understand prayer. Let's realize the importance of prayer. Let's be men and women of prayer.